Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. How many of you guys love you some Jesus? All right. By the way, John, will you raise your hand so everybody can give you a hug after church? Right there. Seek this guy. He loves hugs. And again, not the bro hug, just squeeze him, all right? Just squeeze him. Get all up in his face. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, first of all, welcome. We are so glad you guys are with us today. If you're a visitor, we call ourselves a family. I mean that. And um, we like to hug. And so uh, welcome to the family. It's good to have you here. If you're regular, always good to be with family. Um, I do want to throw out one more just real quick note on that whole uh, block party. Um, thank you guys. You guys did such an incredible job coming out and supporting that block party. Close to 1,000 people there. Um, and more importantly, I want you to know the outreach Outreach can be dangerous, all right? Outreach can be dangerous. There was only two injuries at the block party. One kid who kind of hit his face on the cement, and the other one, um, somebody took a BB to the leg, all right? Now, let me explain this for just a minute. Um, one of our good guys, Jordan and Melissa Funk, their family, they were walking up, and he said he wa- as wa- they were walking up to the block party, he felt like something stung his leg, all right? And he was like, oh, man, I think a bee just stung me. He reached down, and he, he said, it feels like there's a BB in my leg, okay? And then all of a sudden, he's like, surely the church wouldn't have bee. Oh, yes, they would, all right? <laughs> and so we had a BB gun shooting station, like, for the kids, all fun. But the, the, the backstop fell, so the BB got lodged into his leg. So, so here's, there was two things I want to tell you with that. Number one, praise the Lord it was him and not somebody we didn't know. Amen, right? Like if, if somebody's going to take it, you want, you want the person that you know really well to take it, right? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. And we love Jordan. By the way, if you're in here, Jordan, they love you. And then the second thing is, and, and I really feel strongly about this, just think about this church. We were thinking about not doing a BB gun station, but the axe throwing station. So just saying, I'm just, the Lord gave us wisdom and revelation. Hello. All right. Uh, but thank you, guys. thank you guys for helping out with that. And if anybody else got shot, we apologize with the BB guns. Um, I'm excited uh, that you guys are here today because we, this is kind of a mission Sunday for us. So we've got um, our, our group from Guatemala that's going to share here in just a moment. Um, and they're going to share kind of their thoughts and feelings of the mission trip that we took to Guatemala. And they've got some cool stories that they want to share with you guys. Um, I'm going to ask Tyson. Tyson, will you grab those? Um, clipboards right there. Next Sunday, we are doing um, the new manna, and uh, basically our whole service, starting at 1045, we're going to open with some worship. We're going to have tables lined up in here, and uh, we are going to package 45,000 packages of food. Amen? And so... We need you guys here. Don't skip. Don't jip. We need you. We, we need you guys at church. Um, and and I like this will be the one Sunday we're probably done at noon next Sunday. All right. So just throwing that out to you. Come be a part of the Numana thing. But we need you to sign those clipboards so they kind of have an idea of how many are going to be here. Um, and so just put your whole. You can just put your family name down, and we'll just count you as a family. So Tyson, will you send those to those three areas for me, and then we'll go from there. Um, Part of the reason that we wanted the Guatemala team to share their experiences um, with you guys today is we, we believe um, that there's something about hearing people's testimonies of how they see the Lord move in and around the world. And what, what I mean by that is that when Paul and the disciples would go on a, a journey and they would do kind of missionary journeys as Paul went, he would always report back how the Lord is moving. And it would do two things. It would encourage him and the believers that were hearing He would share these testimonies of how God is moving all over the world, and it would encourage their heart. But then it would also encourage the people that he was talking about. 
And so we want to encourage you at Reliance Community Church that what you sow into and pray for and eventually all of you will be on one of those trips where, where, where God is moving, it, it encourages you, but we also want you to know it's encouraging um, Life of Hope and the Guatemalan people that we were able to interact with. And so um, I know that sometimes we have a mentality with missions and the, and the mentality we have with missions is like, I'm only good at certain things. And so, I, and I've even heard this from, from many of us, including myself, where it's like, give me a hammer and some nails and I'll do missions work, right? But what happens when, when God says, I'm not going to give you a hammer and nails, I'm going to give you a Bible and a heart for people and you can tell them about the nails in my hands and my feet, amen? Like, what happens when God takes what you think you're going to go in and do and build something, and he says, no, 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 I don't want to use you for that. I want to use you to tell people about who I am, right? And, and, and that's really what this trip in Guatemala was really all about. I feel like, just to touch base on last week, what we shared in Colossians 1, through 28, like, what drives this heart of missions or evangelism, sharing the gospel, however you want to say it, what drives it? is our compassion that we see people with. And, and so um, we, we talked a little about this last week, but I want to read this again in Colossians 1.27. So Paul is talking, and he says, the secret of God, the mystery of God revealed, if you remember, he says is that Christ lives in you, the hope of glory. So Christ lives in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And then right after that in verse 28, they say, so we tell others about Christ. In other words, there's something inside of us that, and I shared that that has to get out of us, right? And I shared this imagery with first service, and I may have shared it last week, but I'm going to share it again. How many of you guys grew up like in 70s and 80s and you watched the movie Alien? All right, anybody? Yeah? All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, that's awesome. Do you remember the part of Alien where the creature was inside and it just like out of their chest? I know it's morbid. Just go with me for a minute, all right? But that's how, I, it's like there's something inside of you. If you've never watched Alien, you don't understand this. Um, there's something inside of you that just, it's like, oh, it's got to get out. And it's going to do whatever it can to get out. It's going to do whatever it can to get out. And, and so when we talk about Christ in you, you guys are like, this is the most jacked up illustration I've ever heard, right? Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of his glory, the hope of humanity, the hope of the world lives inside of us. And he wants, he's got to, he's got to get out and get into other people. Amen. This is the heart of what we're talking about when we talk about having that missional mentality. Jesus even goes a step further, and he's like, look, I know you've got bills to pay. I know you've got mouths to feed. I know you've got people to answer to. You've got responsibilities uh, at home. You've got, you've, got, you've got relationships you need to mend. But Jesus is like, it's not complicated. This Christianity thing is not, it's not complicated. He even tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 for Pentecost. He's like, this thing is not complicated. Listen to what he says here. He says, you will receive power. Somebody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And we all love that and we cheer for that and we're like, Pentecost, yes, can't wait. Can't wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon us. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit isn't coming upon you so that you can pay your bills well, Okay. The Holy Spirit isn't coming upon you so that you can, you know, do your day-to-day tasks. Yeah, yeah, he takes care of all those things. Listen to what he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Somebody say witnesses. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Somebody say everywhere. 
Somebody say Guatemala. All right. So there's something here that Jesus is telling his disciples at the end of his life. Before he goes up and he, and, and at, at the end of his time here on earth, and he goes up and he's going to be with the Father. There's something he wants to, them to get. You're going to get power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And here's what that power is going to be for. You're going to testify. You're going to witness. You're going to be missional for me. Amen? It's not complicated. It's not complicated. And so, missions team, coming up here real quick. Um, there, there's something that, that I shared. Oswald, Oswald Smith has a quote that I feel like is really good, and, and we've shared it in here before, but he says this. We talk so much of the second coming. I wonder how Jesus is going to come. What's it going to look like when Jesus comes? We talk so much of the second coming when half the world has never heard of the first coming. And that just like, I'm, I'm, that resonates with me of going, man, there's so many people that have just never even heard of the love and hope of Jesus to begin with. And so the primary purpose of the church, um, we feel, the primary purpose of the church is that we're supposed to Equip believers on the mission of God, not the mission of Reliance Community Church. Like when we first sat down and we began to think about Reliance, we began to plan and dream, and you'll hear about these things later. We're like, oh, we've got to expand. Look, it's crazy in here. It's packed in here, and kids' ministry is packed. Like it is so easy to try to get people to buy into your mission and forget that sometimes, sometimes people buy more into your mission than the mission of God. Amen. So I want you to hear this from our mouth right here, okay? Buy into the mission of God. Don't buy into the mission of Reliance Community Church. Now, if the mission of Reliance Community Church lines up with the mission of God, then we're both on the same target, amen? But always, 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 always go with the mission of God. And we pray. We pray and we seek the Lord and we ask God, help our mission, help our vision, help our values always to reflect you. So obviously we're praying into that. But I'm just telling you right now, that's our goal. We want you guys to be equipped to buy into the mission of God. And I, I, I love this quote by Henry Martin. And he says this, the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him the more intensely missionary we become. That totally makes sense. The more that I draw into God, James says draw, James, James says this in, in the book James, he says draw into me, he's talking to God, God's talking to us, draw into me and I'll draw into you. So, so God is going, if you draw into me and I draw into you, there's something about drawing into the nature of God that says, something about drawing into the nature of God that says, I, I'm not gonna sit on the sidelines anymore. Like, you're not going to draw into God. God in all of his brilliance and glory is not going to come over you, and you're going to go, I'm going to set this one out, right? There's something where you're like, put me in. I've just drawn into the presence of God. The presence of God is drawing into me, and you're not going to be silent about it. Amen, church. So when we draw into the person of Jesus, and the person of Jesus draws into us, we become more intensely missionary in our hearts. Because we're not going to be silent. We're not going to sit on the sidelines anymore. We're not going to do this thing on Sunday mornings only. We're not going to make our Jesus experience an hour and 45 minutes. We're just not going to do it. Because I'm drawing into the presence of God. He, 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 he is intensely burning inside of me. And I've got to let him out for everyone to see. I have to. And so, man, I'm taking our time again here. But I'm sorry. just have one more thing that I want to share. So all of that said, okay, there's something I was sharing with first service. I was in my office when we got back. It's been about three weeks since we've gotten back. And I've had this. You're my family, so I'm just going to share it with you. Like, I've had, like, this emotional roller coaster since I've been back. Just, 
I'm like, God, I, I, I go into my office, I just sit there sometimes like, I don't even know what to do. It's like this restlessness in my heart, this anxiety in my heart that now that I've encountered Jesus in, in, in this setting of Guatemala and I see how the rest of the world kind of lives, like there's this restlessness in my heart of going, what do I do now, God? And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm remembering a story that Adriana, who's our interpreter, that she shared, who lives in Guatemala City and she's seen poverty at its worst level and seen death and she doesn't know a person, you know, that hasn't been robbed and she said, we see death all the time and she talks about how the kids, some of their favorite movies are horror films because they watch people get chopped up, right? So, so she sees this and she's come over to the United States and she said, um, we walked around California and I said, well, that's your first mistake, right? Didn't say that. If you're from California, Jesus loves you, all right? And so do we. All right, so, so she said, we were walking around California. We saw wealth. We saw people that had every kind of means that you could possibly imagine. So we're walking in California. We see all of these means, and then we see all these homeless people. And she said, we're walking. And she said, and all of a sudden, we see all of this wealth, all, like just people of means. And she said, we immediately became burdened for you Americans. I'm like, wait a second. We're supposed to be burdened for you. She goes, no, no, we became burdened for you because you think you have everything, but without Jesus, you have nothing. And then she said, and you see these homeless people, and she was trying to think of the word because she's heard this many times from Americans. She goes, you think these homeless people are, um, um, what do you call it, lazy? Like they could go out and they just need to get a job and they need to do those things. And she says, do you know that the Bible calls laziness a sin and they're in need of the love of Jesus for their sin the same way that you and I are in the need of the love of Jesus? And I was like, ugh. She said, we became burdened for you. And then, just real quickly, I just want to read this one scripture. Matthew chapter 25. Then all of a sudden, I'm sitting in my office. The Lord says, read Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 again. And I, just FYI, I love the word of the Lord. I love it. But when there's hard scripture verses, sometimes I'm like, Lord, take me to the happy place, right? Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in glory, everybody close your eyes for a minute, get a picture of this. When the Son of Man comes in glory, Jesus is coming back in glory, all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne, all the nations will gather before him, and look what it says, everybody will gather before him, and then he says, and he will separate, somebody say separate, the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then he says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And it says, and then those that are being invited in, the righteous will ask him and answer him. He said, Lord, when did we see you hungry? They didn't even realize what they were doing. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you, Lord, when did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then to the others, he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the turtle fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not look after me. And they will answer, Lord, and I believe they'll answer with the deepest intensity of their heart. 
When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did to the least of these, you did not do for me. And, and my heart was immediately started going, we've got to do something with that, right? We can't, and I, we can't always skip that and go to the happy place. That right there jumps off the page that when the Son of Man comes in glory and sits on his throne and gathers all people to him, there is something that he's got to do. Now all of a sudden the great commandment and the great commission become big, amen? To go and make disciples, that becomes big. The great commandment to love one another and lo- or to love God and to love others becomes big. He means it. He means it. And so this morning, why I think it's so important that you hear these testimonies is that we're not trying to suck you in and say, look, you've got to do all these things. I want you to hear these stories of people that they encountered that they just simply loved well. No agenda, just simply loved well. And then my prayer at the very end, we're going to pray over you. My prayer is that it stirs your heart's affection, not to have to jump on a plane necessarily, unless you want to do that but to just love people well that you encounter. All right, amen? Can you guys give a hand to the team real quick? All right, good morning. I get the privilege of going first because I'm the shortest winded one out of all of us. So, well, yeah. yeah, they gave me a lot of grief while we were there for not talking. And I always responded, I'm processing. Which was true, and, and I just don't really talk that much. So, and, and I'm still processing, so if I lose it in the middle of this, I'm sorry. But uh, one of the, the greatest things that I saw while we were there was that uh, you could truly see that our God is alive and active in every situation. You know, I, I, I saw Christ several times working through several people, and I'm not talking about Aaron chasing the little boy named Jesus through the zoo which he lost Jesus several times in the zoo, like he mentioned last week. But anyway, he found him. But uh, just the, uh, the different uh, missionaries with Life of Hope, we, we got to hear from a lot of them and work with a lot of them. And I, I'm telling you, I've never seen people that are sold out for the Lord as they are. Um, Romans 14.8 says, If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. That's the walk that these people are walking. I mean, they are in treacherous territories with a lot of gang violence going on. I mean, some of these guys work hand-in-hand with gang members, and they they get hits put on them regularly, but God sees them through it. So just seeing that was an incredible, incredible thing. Um, Along with that, the other thing that we really saw was that uh, people just need to be loved, and they need to know the source of that love. Um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5:16, it says, "From now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view." You know, when you're there, it's very easy to take pity on the situation. It's very easy to feel sorry for those people, but that's that's not the love that Christ gave us. Christ's love compels us to love them because of who they are, not because of where they are or their circumstances, but who they are. Um, and then finally, you know, while we were there, obviously we saw plenty of poverty. And uh, one of the things that really challenged me when I got back was I feel like maybe a lot of us are in a poverty of plenty. We have, uh, we have so much. It's ridiculous what we have. Yet for many of us, our lives are still have a void in it that we're not allowing Christ to come in and fill that void. 
So uh, that would be my challenge to you. If you find yourself in a poverty of plenty, fill that void with Christ. Good morning. Um, as I was telling people in the first service, I've always wanted to do a mission trip since I was a little girl and never had the opportunity until now. Um, so I never really knew much about Guatemala other than documentaries that I had watched and things Courtney would hear me say, or things that Courtney would say. Um, <clears throat> so it was not what I expected at all when I got there. Um, it's one of those things where you have to see it to believe it. Um, everyone I came in touch with affected me differently. There was a little girl that we met the first night um, that just kept showing up every night, and everyone knows how much I love kids here. So, of course, we, like, bonded, and <clears throat> um, her name was Hennessy's which is spelled Genesis. Later on during our trip, I was reading the Bible, and I'm like, new beginnings. So obviously my trip was off to a good start. Um, Guatemala, Guatemala is overflowing with perseverance, gratitude, and hope. <clears throat> the people of Guatemala are sustained by Christ and not by objects. Many lack the bare minimum, yet they have more hope than most Americans who seem to have everything. Not once did you see or hear people compare themselves or talk badly of anyone. Everyone welcomed you with a hug and a kiss and treated you as their family. My heart broke many times seeing and hearing people's stories and struggles. Um, I tell people that I found my heart while in Guatemala after <laughs> these people showing me so much hope and joy that they have and that God's promises are true. Uh, remembering God supplies our every need to the riches of his glory. So I encourage you, if you've been wanting to do missionary work, to do it, even if it's not to Guatemala, to any other country, to see what God's doing in their countries. I'm Jennifer Neiman, and I've been on one other missions trip, and it affected me, no doubt, but not in the way that our week in Guatemala did. And as I thought about why and what I wanted to share, I realized the difference was what has been a common theme, and it was the personal interactions that we had in Guatemala that was powerful in changing my heart. And everything we did had a human component to it, and that is really what changed me. You know, I've always been really quick to help with the homeless meals that we do in downtown Wichita that Reliance does, and my help has been in making the food and getting behind the table and serving it. But going out and shaking hands and talking to people was not really my gig. But after my week in Guatemala, I'm not just going to be behind the table. Because I learned that touching people physically, looking them in the eye, touching their heart, that is what God developed in me. Returning to my life's reality after Guatemala um, and figuring out how to put into words Kind of what happened to me hasn't been easy, and you keep hearing that from everybody, but I came upon two passages that really help describe where I am right now, and the first is Philemon 1, verse 6, and it says, I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. And the other is the story in Matthew 19 about the rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you must obey the commandments. And he lists them. And the young man says, oh, I've done those since birth. And Jesus said, well, to really inherit eternal life, you need to go and sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor. Then come and follow me. And the man went away sad because he had many possessions. 
Well, when I returned home, I immediately felt guilty, like Alan was saying, about all that I possess. And after being home four nights and two of those literally going off on my family about how trivial all of our needs are, I finally calmed down and realized that perhaps God wasn't asking us to sell everything and move to Guatemala or live on next to nothing. But what he does want is for us all to be more grateful and to live a life of service. It's a heart issue. It's not the possessions. And one literal way I am doing that is by sponsoring two kids through Life of Hope and sending $30 a month to help these kids to support their education and their activities at the community centers. It's just going to remind me to pray for them regularly and remind me what a difference I am making for them. Because then it may sound kind of small because the need is so massive. There's so many people that you want to help. But I was talking to a friend on Friday, and he reminded me of the story of the starfish. And the little boy is on the, on the shore, and he's throwing starfish back into the ocean one by one. And a man comes along and tries to discourage him because he says, there's thousands of starfish. How will you even make a difference? And the boy throws the starfish in, and he says, I made a difference for that one. And that's what I'm trying to remember. I might not be able to fix everybody in Guatemala. I'm a fixer. I'm going to go down and fix it. But I can make a difference in the lives of the people that I come into contact and do what I can do. Hi, guys. I'm Judith. Um, if you see a squirrel, grab it. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit long, but I feel like I have to say everything. Um, I think throughout this past four or five, three weeks, whenever we came back, I don't know, it's been a kind of cloudy all these days. Um, the continuous message and revelation that I get from the Lord is open your hearts. Open your hearts and say yes. Because when you say yes, even if your mind is quarreling with you saying, no, Judith, you don't have time. And again, I'm going to tell the story. The pastor was coming. Aaron was coming into the sanctuary. I was heading out. And he's like, you're coming to Guatemala with us. And I said, eh, sure. And I'm thinking, okay, I have to talk to him later and say, no, I don't have no time. I don't have no money. You know, blah, blah. But say yes, because in my heart, the Lord has been, had been grooming me for this moment, for this trip. I do believe that with all my heart right now. So open your hearts. That's my first encouragement. I... Um, I've had this um, scripture in my mind for a while, and it, it's interesting that Aaron preached about this last week. Romans 12:1, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, when it's good and acceptable and perfect. You know, throughout, throughout this trip in Guatemala, we, we encountered a lot of people. We met a lot of kids. We served a lot. We prayed a lot. Um, we saw a lot of poverty that made our hearts crunch and shrink. We cried a lot. We laughed a lot. A lot. We actually called the mission Laugh of Hope instead of Life of Hope. Um, we had incredible times together. Um, and in a word, we served a lot. But I think throughout this entire week, what, what, what caught me was the willingness that all of us had to open our hearts and serve without distinction, without any 
competitions, without talking about each other, without, you know, looking at these people, and a lot of these people are dirtier than the beggars that we see on the streets here. You know, a lot of these people hand you a plate where you're going to feed them with, and there's, there's critters crawling, and there's dirt, and there's, you know, gunk in their plates. And still, they have this smile on their faces. They have their hearts filled with joy. I wish, I wish we could play the service that we did for the homeless um, one of the days, you know, with their... That's when Aaron cried, by the way. Um, with their, their hands up, praising the Lord and, and worshiping. Um, they don't have anything. They're filthy. They're uneducated. They're ignorant about a lot of things. They, they're smelling glue. They're high... They live on the streets. They, they're scavengers, you know. They scavenge for, for trash so they can go and sell it somewhere else and make a penny or two so they can get high again or feed their families. Who knows? But still, the, the thankfulness, the gratefulness that those people expressed in their worship was, was compelling to me. It, it really changed my heart. And I'm going to try to do this without crying. <laughs> But um, I think when we sacrifice with true love, to me, love is the key word of this trip, love and service. When we sacrifice with love, our duties do not become duty no more, you know? Even though I said yes when I talked to Aaron, I, I said a yes out of duty, and it turned into a huge, huge yes out of love. And I have never seen more clearly the face of Jesus that in these people that we met. Not only, not only the people that we served, but also the people who served with us that are locals, the doctors, the nurses, you know, Devin Chance, who you met a couple weeks ago. I mean, it, it, was, it was really life-transforming, you know? After I read this scripture, I want to tell you, um, say yes, you know? Serve in the spirit, because I believe that when we serve in the spirit, our hearts convert, and we become sanctified. If we don't transform our hearts, there's no, there's no sanctification. We have to transform our hearts, and the way to transform our hearts is to say yes. To say yes to love, to say yes to mercy, to say yes to gratefulness, to say yes to helping each other, to hugging each other, to telling people the good news, the news of the gospel. It is our obligation, people. We need to do it. I'm not telling you jump in a plane and go to Guatemala, but I'm telling you think about others first. I think one of the revelations that I've had in the last week, because, um, yeah, we, we've all had those a lot, um, is, you know, Judith, I want you to write it down. I want, it, I want you to stand in front of your church, and I want you to say it. You know, service is my worship. Service is how I praise my Lord. I love to worship with songs and music, you know, but service is the way that pleases the Lord with me. And I have realized that, and that has become my north now, service. Whatever I, I do it, I will keep that in mind forever. I'm almost done, maybe. <laughs> um, Half an hour. <laughs> okay, so... Um, the other, the other encouragement that I have is for my, for my team. I want to thank them because um, 
Even though I went to Guatemala and I, some of my friends here know that I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know this person, I don't know that person. I never talked to this one. I don't know what this one is about, you know? We really became unified. It's true, come on, let's be honest with each other. You know, we have our favorites and I, don't, I didn't know her or him. He made the coffee. Jen is in the screen, you know? Alan doesn't talk and Brandy, who's that? You know? <laughs> so, but really, you know, one of the things that the Lord showed me is how the body in the seven of us became unified. And it became unified with zeal, became unified with fervor, it became unified with love, with compassion, with friendship for all those people. And we were unstoppable. We were unstoppable. And that is something that I really need to say to the church. We need to become unified. It is the only way. It is the only way. And I want to tell you, you know, the gift that we have when we are unified and we are encouragers of the word of the Lord is heaven, eternity. When we are unified and we have compassion and love on others, then, again, I'm going to say somewhere in Exodus, it says, we exude a sweet aroma that pleases the Lord. And the Lord looks down on us and says, I like these people. I love these people. These are my people. Because that's what we are supposed to be doing. So to end with a scripture, um, squirrel, <laughs> grab it. Mark 10, 45 says, for even the son of man did not come here to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. So let's start doing that, people. Let's start serving others with compassion, with love, with no interest. And your life will change, I promise you. Your heart will change. It doesn't matter if it's in Guatemala. It doesn't matter if it's at home. It doesn't matter if it's at the bus stop, if it's in your work. Whatever you do, do it with love, and the rest will come. Just open your hearts and say yes. Thank you all. All right, I'm John Chapeau. Uh, this is my lovely daughter, Courtney. Huh. Chapeau, yeah, Chapeau. Um, I am the old man of the group. Uh, I am. They, the little ones over there called me Grandpa. Now, Judy, they called Mama. <laughs> Judith. Hootie, Hootie, they called Mama. Me, they called Grandpa. I'm like, dude, I'm not that old. I know I'm a little gray and I've seen 60 years uh, I mean 30 years 30th anniversary of my 30th birthday uh, anyway after we got back um, I don't see stuff as it happens um, you all are probably more profiteerial than I am but uh, God usually hits me with the two before and said hey this is what happened so right after we got back, I started writing down this little thing I call Revelations on the Return from Guatemala. And he just revealed stuff to me. And uh, it's kind of overwhelming, by the way, for, for those of you that don't know me. Uh, God had prepared me for this trip, uh, both emotionally and physically, because being the old coot of the group, um, I, for 30-some years, every day at lunch, I get an hour nap. Yes. Old people need naps. You young people don't, you know. But 
You still need naps? Good, that's my baby. Um, <laughs> but about a month and a half before we went, I laid back in my chair and kicked my feet up on my desk, and I'm like, ah, nap time. And my brain was going, so I thought, hey, I think I'll go for a walk. So I started walking every day at lunch between three and four miles a day, um, and that's a better use of that hour. But what I didn't realize was being the, the senior member of the crew that God didn't want me to hold everybody else back because if they're waiting on me, somebody's not going to get, you know, the blessings of, of uh, our love. Um, so that was the physical part. Uh, the psychological part's a little more difficult. Uh, the reason I signed on for this trip was I'm the builder guy, you know, uh, Habitat for Humanity and our, uh, our local things that when we go out and fix stuff, that is my comfort zone. Um, so about a week or so before we left, I hear, well, what we were going to build is done, so we're going to do something different. And I'm like, okay. And then we're, we're going to do home visits. We're going to pray for people. We're going to do a prayer walk. And, oh, yeah, by the way, there's a bunch of little kids that need love. Okay. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm the grumpy grandpa. And anybody in grade school, uh, approach at your own risk. So... That's not wrong. Thank you. That's my baby. Uh, so anyway, so I'm like, okay, I got to wrap my mind around this thing. I wish I was only afraid of flying because then, you know, it's a couple hours and you're done. I'm afraid of, of people. Uh, I'm afraid of, yeah. Anyway, um, so that was his preparation for getting me there. Uh, we did a lot of meals. Uh, everybody calls them homeless meal, but these people aren't necessarily homeless. Uh, by our standards, they're homeless. I mean, they've got a 10 by 20 shed type dwelling that they're very proud of, by the way. You walk in and the floor is scrubbed and, you know, it's clean and for the most part, as clean as you can be living in a development around a waste site. Um, but one of the meals that stuck with me the most, I mean, we were wrecked every day. I mean, just totally heartbroken. Uh, but we had a meal to where we served uh, what Judith referred to as the inhalers of chemicals. Uh, in America, we call them huffers. Uh, they sniff whatever they get to get high. Um, I wasn't, I didn't know this fact, but I was told that one, it curbs hunger, and two, it re removes them from the reality of how life is uh, with no hope. Um, so that was interesting. Um, these lovely people, uh, as they came in, actually washed their hands and dried them before they came in, and I kind of stood back because that's my way, and I was the greeter. And I helped them up that huge one step because when you're stoned, uh, one step is a mile. Uh, helped them up and got them in and everything. And then uh, this guy over here uh, brought a message of deliverance and breaking chains. And I was, I was in tears, you know. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, also, the, you, I don't know if you've heard the reference to our interpreter, 
but she's not one of those people that just stands there and drones on in Spanish what is being said in English. I mean, this gal is fired up, and she brings the exact same enthusiasm. So he's over here going nuts, and she's going just as nuts in Spanish. And uh, a altar call at this point would have been dangerous because, one, they had to make it up to the front, and two, they'd have to get down without blooding themselves, and then B, get back up. So Aaron just had them just, you know, they were sitting in chairs, just stand up if you need prayer, and then we all went out and prayed over them. And uh, one of the guys I prayed over uh, was just wrecked. I mean, he was shaking. He was crying so hard and stuff. And uh, afterwards, uh, yeah, it's not my thing. Um, this smelly, filthy guy, I just gave him a great big hug because for that moment uh, during that call, uh, no matter how stoned he was, for that instant, he saw the face of Jesus. And God just told me he needs love. He needs a hug. Then he hugged him. Anyway, um, so that was pretty emotional of itself. Uh, and then when we got back, he started revealing, God started revealing things to me in terms of, you know, for one week, we were totally reliant on uh, the team over there, Devin and his team, um, for safety, for food, for every minute of every day is accounted for. You know, you get up at this time, you're at breakfast at this time, and then we load into the van and drive across town wherever. Um, but basically, time management. Uh, for a big guy like me, I'm usually the last one in the door and the first one out because I'm a protector. That's my manner. That's how I serve. Um, but over there, you don't do that. You had a teacher in the front or a volunteer and a teacher or a volunteer in the back. So we're walking along, and there's a five-foot-three Hispanic gal behind me. You know, she's my bodyguard. Because they don't mess with them. The gangs do not mess with these people because of what they do for the people of Guatemala. They have so much respect for them. So anyway, um, so that's my thing. I get back, and God's like, he reveals this to me, and he's like, huh, wouldn't it be nice if you could live like that all the time? You know, everything is God. You know, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to do. Anyway, uh, squirrel. Uh, anyway. Uh, in, uh, I didn't share this in the first service, but I will in this service. You know, uh, in John 21, when Jesus is talking to Peter about, you know, do you love me? He asked him three times, do you love me? And he says, you know I do, you know I do. Well, feed my sheep. Well, feeding your sheep can literally be feeding the sheep. But uh, there's a whole lot of sheep that you give them a hug and they see Jesus. That's all there is to it. So thank you for your time. Hey, guys. This is my pa. You already know that. but uh, <laughs> Can you bring up that picture? Thanks. So this is Juana. I'll talk about her in a second. But um, I kind of wanted to just talk about Guatemala City in general. Um, I'd gone like seven, six years ago with Life of Hope, and my husband has also gone, and um, 
So this trip was going to be kind of comfortable for me in that I knew what to expect. I knew who we were going to encounter. I knew where we were going to be staying, the kind of food we were going to be eating. And then like six weeks before our trip, I found out I was pregnant. And so um, I had morning sickness and I was really tired. And um, God was just like kind of showing me how uncomfortable I was going to be. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm still going. Like part of my heart is in Guatemala. I knew when I left there I was going to be going back. And so um, something about Guatemala City is that um, it has the largest dump in Central America. And so this dump is 14 football fields long. And um, not only is it in the middle of the city, but there's people living on the settlement. Um, so they live in whatever they can find. They have, um, you know, they have metal walls. They have... Um, cardboard doors. They have curtains that separate their room. There's really no safety for them there. Um, and of course, they're in gang territory, so if they cross their, um, and they're part of gangs, they're going, I mean, they're going to be hurt. So, yeah, that's the settlement. So they sift through the settlement every day for things to recycle, to sell, to live. Um, and after a while, um, Devin told me that they start to feel like they're a part of the trash. Um, they, they don't have any value, and um, I mean, they don't, they don't really have anything. They just have trash. So, um, yeah, this is Juana. After we came back, my husband and I, we went different years, but um, we thought of the only thing we could do, and that was sponsoring a child, and that pays for her school, her books, her uniform, um, for her to be able to be in the activity center. Um, and something about the Guatemala children is that they don't have access to school like we do. Um, and a lot of them have multiple kids in their family. And so oftentimes the parents will just send the first child, and then the child will support the rest of the family for the rest of their life. So they don't get to go to school. They don't get to enjoy being young, I guess. Um, and so that was the way we thought that we could make a difference. And this particular girl, I would not met her before. Um, we started sponsoring her after we returned home last time and um, another time where I was really uncomfortable, I was like, man, I, I don't know what I'm gonna say to this girl. I'm just some American who pays for her stuff. And so um, I took a journal with me for her and I'd written it before we left and I just wrote some simple words that like the Lord put on my heart and it was just like, you're not forgotten and you're loved. So we have her picture above our bed every day, and um, so we see her every day. We pray for her, and we walk into her house, and her mom is drunk, so she's gone wherever, and her dad is not around. Um, and she's 12, so she takes care of seven siblings, and her youngest sibling is seven months old. So she doesn't get to go to school. She doesn't get to leave her house. Um, Devin said that she was... He was pretty sure that she was abused by her uncle, so she doesn't leave. Um, she doesn't really get to enjoy being young. So we walked in, and I was like, man, Lord, this is going to be all you, because I have no idea what to say to her. Like, you know, I just want to love on her. So, you know, we exchange words, and she's talking to Adriana and Devin, and they understand Spanish, and so they're, like, weeping as they're translating to me, and she says, before you got here, my heart was hardened, but now that you're here, the Lord has softened it. And then she says, I've never been told that I'm loved, and I've never been hugged before. 
So that was encouragement to me to be like, hey, it's, it's okay to be uncomfortable sometimes. Like, the, the gospel is more, more than that, like, more than your comfort. You're not just meant to be comfortable. So this is just encouragement to maybe step outside maybe your comfort zone um, and just spread the gospel and love people. So we're going to do something now. We want to pray over you guys. And I want you to hear me say this. This is not to pull on your emotional heartstrings. I'm not asking anybody but to go and sell all your possessions. In fact, go and make tons of money, okay? And then sow into kingdom things. Just don't sow into your own thing. Just sow into kingdom things. But, but here, here's the deal. This isn't an emotional thing to just be like, hey, I'm emo- i got to get emotionally involved. This, this right here that they're talking about, this is the way that when you come into Christ, this is a part of who you are. It's just a part of who you are. And the greatest treasure that you have isn't in your bank account. Amen? The greatest treasure that you have isn't in your bank account. The greatest treasure that you have, I'm going to use my wife here for a minute. This, this is the greatest treasure you have. Can you stand up for a minute, babe? The greatest treasure you have is to be able to give somebody a hug, especially her, right? Is to give somebody a hug and just tell them that they're valued. To look at them in the eyes and tell them that God has a plan for them. This is the greatest value that you carry, the greatest treasure that you have. And so here's what I want you to hear me say, because this is important. Thank you, babe. Appreciate it. I want, I want you to hear me say that there comes a point in time where you stop the game of Christianity and you start living the life of it. Does that make, does that make sense? So what I want to do is these guys are going to extend a handout to you and they're going to pray over you. And I want you to grab the hand of your family that's next to you or your friend that's next to you. Um, I don't know if your stranger will like that. If you don't know them, you can try. You may get slapped. Um, but we just grab, and I want to pray into your hearts just what it means to really go after the gospel. We're not going to close out with a song. We're not going to make this an emotional time. I just want you to be deep-seated, and I want the power of God to come over your hearts. So let's pray that right now. Father God, we come, Jesus, not with an ending worship song, but we come about the one in which we worship too. And so we pray that you would come in a demonstration of power right now in the name of Jesus. And that every single heart in this place would be touched and transformed by the power of God. Lord, it's not about being a good humanitarian. Yes, we want to feed people. We want to clothe people. We want to give people water. But it's about being a good ambassador for Jesus Christ. You have called us ambassadors of reconciliation. And so, God, we want to come and take care of physical needs, but we want to come in with the love of Jesus that takes care of every need. And so, God, I pray that Reliance Community Church would stand as a place that says we are ready to live the life of the gospel out, that we've counted the cost, we understand that it's uncomfortable, we understand that at times, Jesus, it's going to get us out of places that we maybe would want to typically dwell in, but in the name of Jesus, today we declare that as a people in this place, God, we want to be men and women that love people well and bring the hope of the gospel everywhere we can. And so we seal it right here, Jesus, as a church family. In Jesus' name, we praise Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.